The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at ProFootballNetwork.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the PFM Premier NFL Draft Podcast. Ian Cummings here with my good friend and co-host, Ali Hodgkinson. It is Monday, the week of the draft. Three days away. By the time this is out, it'll be, you know, uh, it'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday. So it is right there. We are on the doorstep. So our last positional preview for the offseason, and then we are on to the NFL draft. We're going with quarterback today, Ali. We are going with the most important position, the most talked about position. And this year's quarterback class, there is a lot to talk about. But before we get into that, Ali, how are you doing, my man? It's Monday of the NFL draft. I'm excited. I'm also looking forward to not having any sleep between now and Sunday when yes, uh, when the, the, it's all, all said and done, then I'm looking forward to getting to 2023 and cracking on with 2023 prospects next Monday. It's uh, we just we were just saying before we came on to record. It's like um, it feels like a, a lifetime ago when we started doing our top fifties for this class, and it's here. And uh, I can't wait to see how it pans out. A lot a lot of disinterest in this class because of the murky quarterback situation. I think it's going to be one of the most exciting three days of the NFL draft that we've had for a long time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's going to be very interesting. And, you know, I think even more interesting to see how this class plays out over the long run, you know, over the next few years, because right now we're looking at this QB class and saying, you know, and we'll get to it in a little bit, but the, the bottom line is the general consensus is that there's a lot of uncertainty here, but maybe we look back and two of these guys go on to be stars, right? So we never know what's going to happen. I think the most important thing, for any NFL draft evaluator is to remain open to all potential outcomes. Even if you're not certain or, or confident that it's going to happen, you know, we never truly know what's going to happen. So it's, it's not right to dig ourselves into any one outcome, but yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to staying up too. I have a chip on my shoulder because everyone at the entire <laughs> PFN company has been making jokes about how I fell asleep during day one of the draft last year. Okay. I had an accounting final the night before. It wasn't my fault, right? But I'm going to make sure I, I might have to stay up the whole 72 hours just to prove a point this year. You know, we will see. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for sure, but I'm up for it. Uh, you, you know what else is a challenge, though? I'll be talking about these quarterbacks. So let's get right into it. Uh, I know we've both spent a lot of time, you know, watching other prospects this cycle. So, you know, for me personally, I didn't have time until this final, you know, this past week to really get down and finalize these quarterbacks and, and circle back to them and see if I could see anything new, uh, some new developments for sure. And we'll get to talk about them. Ali, how do you want to even start this? You know, do you want to just do a general overview of the quarterback class? Do you want to reveal your QB one? And then we just go down the list. How do you want to do this? I, I'm giving the floor to you here. I think this is, is this going to be one of the best podcasts that we've done because we've, uh, we've mentioned on other podcasts before, like, there's there's no echo chamber between us, but we're very certainly similarly minded in what we want out of a, a, a particular prospect at a position. For example, I think the this this quarterback class and the murky uncertainty of it 
is going to lead to one of the best conversations that we've had because we we both weight and evaluate elements of the quarterback situation so differently and there is they're so close these top five quarterbacks i think um six if you extend that to carson strong but we'll discuss why carson strong we've we've, we've pulled out there these quarterbacks are so close and you could pick any of them out as being the, the qb1 of the class and give a good reasoned debate and argument as to it. And it's what do you want from a quarterback? What do you need? What is, what's your goal in drafting a quarterback? Do you, do you want a guy who can come in and safely drive your offense? Do you want a Mac Jones in this class? Or do you want a Trey Lance in this class or a Justin Fields in this class? Or a, there isn't a Trevor Lawrence, but you know a Trevor Lawrence in this class. Do you want a guy who you believe eventually at some point will deliver your team a Super Bowl? And if that's the 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 crux of the matter of evaluating the quarterback position, that's where you get a great great conversation. For me, my quarterback one of the 2022 NFL draft class is Malik Willis out of Liberty. I've been fortunate enough to study and follow and be involved in and in and around the Liberty football program um, for the past couple of years, um, covering them for another site, and I've, I've had the opportunity to to study Malik Willis and, and see his ascension in this class. And he's certainly not uh, he's certainly not a quarterback prospect without some very real flaws and some very real areas of concern and some very real areas for development. Um, and we'll we'll get into what those are um, as, as we discuss and debate the, the quarterback rankings in this class. But for me, Malik Willis has the physical tool, the best physical tools of any quarterback in this class. I think his arm strength is the best in this class. I think there's ability to throw with velocity and to make some plays in tight windows um, is the best. I think there's he he attempts some throws rightly or wrongly. And again, this is one of the, the, the drawbacks of Malik Willis is knowing when to make a throw and when not to make a throw. But he makes some throws that some other quarterback prospects, not just in this murky class, but in other classes as well, wouldn't dare make because they don't have the the, the sheer velocity in the, the throw to fit it into such a tight window. So the arm strength, the arm talent, the ability to throw on the run, the, the creative mobility, and you could talk about Malik Willis's creative ability. You could you make you know make five or six paragraphs out of it. Um, but what it boils down to is this is a kid who creates at a level with his legs that um a lot of quarterback prospects that we've seen in recent years cannot do. Um and it's not it's not sheer speed, although you know the, the speed is clearly there. There there's a physicality to how Malik Willis runs with the football. There's the ability to evade contact. There's available the, the ability to absorb contact as well, and um, that makes him such an entertaining um, and dangerous prospect as a as a runner with the ball, as a ball carrier. Um, he he can change direction effortlessly. He can cut effortlessly. He, like I said before, he can absorb contact as a rusher as well. And there's, there's plenty of plays on his um, Liberty tape of him being able to withstand and continue against contact. Now, 
you know, there's there's some some defenses that he's faced in his college career that, you know, I think maybe even you or I could probably absorb content. I certainly could. Now I'm a sizable um, chunk bigger than I was when I first started doing this job. Um, but you know, there is still games against SEC defenses, against a, uh, ACC defenses that, that Malik Willis has been able to prove that he can be dangerous, both with his arm and with his legs. Um, and I think these physical tools are what, for me, put him at the top of the class because I think if you're going to draft a quarterback who could one day take you to a Super Bowl, Malik Willis has the physical tools to do that better than any quarterback in this class. Yeah, and I think, you know, we have a really good dichotomy here because I agree with you. You could make an argument for really any of these guys, and I think Malik Willis is really one of those guys, and it all revolves around the physical tools, right? I mean, it, it it's really eye-popping on tape. I mean, he moves very well. Uh, like you said, not just, you know, he's agile. For sure, he's very explosive, too. He gears up really quickly when he does have a lane, uh, but he's physical, too. He can, you know, step through arm tackles. He can finish with physicality and then the arm as well. You know, I think – it's either him or Carson Strong for the best arm in the class. Uh, Willis is, you know, he can generate velocity very well. He can layer throws, you know, that velocity carries downfield for him. It doesn't for a lot of these QBs. Uh, so I, I really like that aspect of this game. But there is a, there, there is a, a, you know, kind of a pitfall here. And it's really everything else, right? I mean, that's it, it sounds harsh. It sounds blunt. But that's kind of what it is, you know, at least what I found watching, you know, the games that I did. Uh, you know, charting some of the, the reps that he had. And I graded him out. And like I've said in previous podcasts, I'm not running 100% with my raw grading scale right, you know, just yet because I'm kind of new to it this this cycle. But Malik Willis uh, graded out as my QB4. You know, his raw grade would be a day three grade for me. And I think that, you know, it's important to know that. And we were talking about this the other day. You know, the physical traits are, are bar none, the best in the class. But there's a lot more that goes into quarterbacking than, you know, having the physical traits. So, you know, I think processing was one area that I really, I was pretty disappointed with, with Willis. I do think that, you know, the important, another important point to bring is like you said, it's something that you can develop. He has the traits that you can develop, you know, ideally if you give him time, you know, in a, uh, uh, the lions are, are, are a team that he's commonly mocked to, you know, he goes there, he's got Jared Goff to sit behind for a few years or not a few years, I should say, you know, one year, you know, just have take a red shirt and then get, and then get back into the starting lineup in the, in the second season. Uh, that would be the ideal scenario for him because he'd have more time to kind of learn the game and acclimate. But right now the processing is a big issue for me. Uh, there are times when he does anticipate windows, but they're a little too few and far between for me. You know, there are times when his field vision is very questionable. He'll miss wide open receivers. He won't see defenders. He'll try to force throws. You know, it, overall, not a ton of full field reads either. You know, sometimes a lot of quick reads, you know, sometimes zeroes in on receivers. Very much a work in progress there in the processing standpoint. Pocket management as well. You know, he will bail early. He will rely on his physical tools to, you know, extend plays. And then there's times when he'll roll out all the way to the boundary Got to throw it away. Nope, he cuts back inside and gets sacked, right? So the decision-making as well is very questionable at times. And, yeah, the physical traits are there. Uh, he definitely relies on it to a fault. And you can see that the Liberty offense didn't always do him a ton of favors. There were some route concepts that were questionable at times. You know, some receivers were kind of doomed to, you know, stay blanketed by the coverage. And, you know, with Willis, too, that offensive line wasn't very good. So it's always a, a, you know, a situation of how do you decouple that? How do you separate him from his, you know, system, his, his surroundings and decipher 
what he is as a quarterback. And I think that we the the general consensus that we can come to is that yeah, he's got talent for sure. And there, you know, it's very possible that the situation he was in contributed to some of that inconsistency. But at the same time, there are plays when he does have an open read and he misses it or he tries to hold out for the deep throw. And, you know, there's times when his processing is a little too slow going from read to read a little bit of a delay, the recognition, you know, there's a lot of work to do. And I'm not certain that he's going to be able to do that work in the NFL, you know, kind of bridge that gulf that, that he needs to, to become a, a, you know, consistent starting quarterback. So that's why he's a little bit lower on my board. As much as I love the upside, you know, once you sit down and quantify it, it becomes clear just how much work there is. Obviously, the physical tools are are alluring. And I do think in the right scenario, he could go on to be a successful quarterback. And I think early on, too, you can rely on his running ability to be successful. Like, he doesn't have to be that traditional quarterback. Obviously, he knows how to throw the football, right? Let's not – We there's no position switch candidate here. That's just absurd. He is a quarterback. But, you know, to be an NFL quarterback, there is some growth that he needs to undergo. I think early on, relying on the on the athleticism to extend plays and kind of create for himself, that's something that he can do that other quarterbacks in, in this class can't. So I'll give that to him for sure. Um, but really, when, when you sit down and quantify it, what I found is that he's a bit more raw than, you know, we like to believe sometimes, you know, kind of gravitating to the traits. But at the same time, in this quarterback class, you know, how barren it is for, you know, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? How barren it is for, you know, foolproof starters, right? Like last year, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, you know, we all knew these guys are going to be starters this year. We're not so sure. Um, so with all that uncertainty, you look at Willis and you say, let's at least bank on the guy that has the most upside. And that I can respect for sure. Yeah. And I think the thing with, with some of the, um, the, the technical aspects and the mental side of the game is I, I feel like when you look at the senior ball, uh, I think we talked about this on, either in this podcast or on the, the, the Twitch spaces that we do twice a week, is um, the Detroit Lions spoke very glowingly about um, during practice Malik Willis's ability to go through a standard five read and to to take the easy option. Um, whereas, as you mentioned, the, during his time at Liberty, it was almost the hero ball, like very much relying on his arm arrogance to, to get him through. But working at the senior bowl to to try and showcase that he does have that that um ability to to make a full field read to take the easy option when it's you know the, the the hero ball really isn't an option and i think that kind of demonstrates that he has got that develop develop there easy for me to say we're both not getting the words out tonight developmental he's got that developmental capability that you know you get him in in an NFL um, program for a year and sit him, and then just bank and rely on those traits. Um, but yeah, I think the conversation about the QB one of this class really is an example of of this class being so murky and dark and mysterious and confusing. Ian, who's your QB one, Mama? Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, this is a guy who's kind of been my QB1 for the entire cycle, and the, the grading scale kind of confirmed it. Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh. Um, I was, you know, again, in any other class, he's not going to be QB1. And I think it's more of a testament to how uncertain the class is. Uh, you know, outside of him. But I, I look at Kenny Pickett. First off, I want to address because, you know, we always hear he's the low ceiling option, right? And I, I don't think his ceiling is astronomical, but I do think we need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit there because you look at how this guy tested, all right? I, I think a 9.63 RAS, uh, something like that, you know, something in the nines, right? But he's athletic. He shows it on tape. I mean, he's not just, you know, he's got good bursts in open field. He's got enough speed to extend space. You know, he's got very good agility, short area agility, where he can evade rushers in the pocket. You know, he can get out. You could argue he uses it to a fault. You know, he kind of evades pockets too early sometimes, a little too skittish. You know, I'd like him to kind of stand in, be a little more poised. But the creation capacity is definitely there with Pickett. And I think that, you know, you see comps to Kirk Cousins. You see comps to, you know, these low ceiling starters who, you know, can be around for a long time. And I, I think we need to pump the brakes there because Pickett offers something that a lot of those guys like Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton don't, and that's the creation ability, the athleticism to create on the ground and then off platform as well. He has an elastic arm where he can change his arm, arm angles. He can generate velocity off platform. So, you know, I, I do think there's a little more upside here than he's given credit for. I do think it's one of the lower ceilings in the class when you look at Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter in particular, but I don't think it's a low ceiling. You know, I, I, I do think that, at his peak projection, my comp that he reminds me of a little bit is Derek Carr. You know, maybe Derek Carr with a le- with a slightly weaker arm. Uh, but I do think Pickett, you know, especially in the short and intermediate ranges, can generate very good velocity in those ranges. Uh, it doesn't carry as well downfield. The deep throws don't have that same pace, and that's why it gets knocked down a little bit. And I, I, I was talking to you. You kind of agreed. That was something you said about it. But, you know, in the short and intermediate ranges, he can generate good velocity. He can be that distributor for sure. Um, and one thing that I always came back to, you know, mechanics, first off, uh, the mechanics, the process is not always super refined with him. He'll have scissor feet on the drop back, can be a little skittish with his footwork, as we've said. But something that separates Pickett from the rest, because you look at Willis, he has the same issue. You look at Ritter, he has a similar issue. You know, even Howell, a lot of these guys, the footwork is very much a work in progress. But with Pickett, you know, the thing that separates him is that no matter what happens with the process, a lot of times the the results are good because he's very good at snapping back to congruence, getting those hips around, getting that front foot in the correct position. And that's why I think he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in this class. To me, it's probably Pickett and Carson Strong at the top with the accuracy element of it. So, you know, I think Pickett, a big reason for that is because he has that muscle memory with his mechanics where it's so reliable, even in the heat of the moment, he comes back to that. And that can get his foot in the right place, that can rotate his hips back. And he can generate that hip torque and get that velocity on it. So, you know, I, I really like that. He keeps his shoulders level so often. He's so reliable with that. Uh, so mechanically, there's a lot to like with Pickett. Again, not perfect, but has that fail-safe system where he can always snap back to where he needs to be to make the throw. Uh, and that goes for off-platform throws, too. On the move, I think he's almost more comfortable on the move. He keeps his shoulders level, can generate velocity. 
And then mentally as well, I think Pickett has a lot of the building blocks there. Again, processing wise, you know, there are times when he misses reads downfield. A lot of times he kind of defers to the check down. He can go through his progressions quickly. He's shown that he can do that. Would like him to be a little bit more consistent there, but he's definitely shown the capacity. I think the more impressive thing with Pickett from a processing standpoint is the eye manipulation. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, even in the short range, he's, you know, keeping his eyes front and center on the drawback, which is what you want to do. And then, you know, keep holding that linebacker where he needs to go and then snapping to the right and hitting that slant, right? Like he's so good at using those subtle eye placement, you know, eye positioning to hold defenders where they need to be for him to make the throw that he needs to make. You know, and I think Clemson, the Clemson game, there's a very good example a little bit farther down the field. Pickett immediately recognized single high, right? So you got that single high defender. I think they were on like 40 yard line. So, you know, on the uh, opponent's 40 yard line, but he recognized that single high defender right away on the drop back. He gets his eyes to the right side of the field, eyes to the right, kind of draws that single high defender over, and he's got a wide receiver up the seam, uh, getting that seam fade. Or I think it was a no, it was a post route. It was a post route. It was a deep post, uh, and Pickett drops back, you know, and holds that defender to the right side. And then as soon as he hits the top of his drop, he already knows he's got that deep post because he's moved to safety. So he gets his front foot positioned and then just snaps that throw. And it's a perfect pass, great trajectory. And the wide receiver is wide open up top because Pickett moved the safety because Pickett had a, the conceptual knowledge, you know, understanding the moving pieces and was able to, you know, manipulate the field to his liking. So I look at that, you know, and Pickett has that capacity for me. He's got the athleticism. He's got enough arm talent to work with. And he's a very tough competitor. I think that gets glossed over too, especially going back to uh, 2020. Uh, when he had a, I think a high ankle sprain, came back in 26 days, played on it when it was still swollen. <laughs> he had to wear a boot size, two sizes bigger, right? So this guy's competitive toughness is very underrated as well. Again, I would really like him to play more poised in the pocket, more composed. That's one thing that you can knock on his game a lot is that he's very skittish. He's easily spooked out of the pocket. Now he has the traits to evade, but you'd like him to stand in, be a little more poised and go through his reads more often. He's shown he can do it. Um, so I think that's a, a key point of improvement for him in the NFL. But to me, you know, I think Pickett has the best combination of high floor and enough ceiling where he can win you games. And in this class, you know, with so much uncertainty, that's what I'm banking on personally. Yeah. And the, the, the thing is, um, when you look at this, um, when you look at the NFL draft and you look at the NFL and what teams need quarterbacks, you can see the allure for a team like the Carolina Panthers who are in dire straits at the quarterback position and just, you know, in a, in a, in a real desperate situation is a guy like Kenny Pickett, you can put on the field. I believe, and clearly you believe you can put a guy like Kenny Pickett on the field this season. And I think that would ultimately be a difference maker in this class is there's a number of teams who are in a situation where they may need a guy to step up and start this year. And of all the quarterback prospects, Kenny Pickett is the most all-round solid player in this class. Like you, you think you you made it, you know, referenced it perfectly there. The the upside might not be as exciting as the potential upside with a Malik Willis, but there is upside there, and he's already in a position where he can come in and um, he can come in and, and lead an NFL offense this season for a team like Carolina Panthers, for example, that, that may need a guy who can be ready to hit the field on the, the early weeks of September. 
yeah for sure you know it's 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 definitely like you you mentioned it perfectly i think that's one reason that why carolina is such a popular mock draft destination for kenny pickett is that i mean one matt rule recruited him i mean right so that's kind of a, a you know a connection that you draw but at the same time if you need someone to win you games right away you know be competitive right away you know i do have confidence that kenny pickett can do that my qb2 is another guy who's kind of been thrown into that conversation I didn't really buy it until I went and finalized him, uh, Desmond Ritter. So we'll get to that. My QB two is Desmond Ritter, and I know we've got we've got around you know probably seven minutes left. I think we're gonna go over in this one, Ollie. We're just gonna accept it and keep rolling. <laughs> by the by well, the bullet. Exactly, exactly. But Desmond Ritter, man, I you know I won't say I was impressed. You know, I, there's a lot to work on, but I think the big things that you need to work on are things that could be developed. And I look at what he has. You know, I've seen people talk about the processing. And I do think the processing is there. He might be the best processor in this class. I do think that, you know, you look at what he provides mentally. One thing that stood out to me on tape is that he has a lot of autonomy before the snap. He's making calls. He's not turning his head to the sideline. You know, he's the one making the calls, providing the signals, you know, moving guys around, you know, has a lot of autonomy, a lot of authority as that quarterback, which you, you'd want to see, you know, after four years in an offense, right? Like, Pickett, going back to Pickett, as much as I really like him and think that he can start right away, he didn't quite have as much pre-snap authority as I would have liked. You know, there were times when there, he got hit with the blitz and, and didn't know how to respond and kind of got skittish, but maybe he makes a pre-snap adjust, adjustment to fix that. You know, I thought Pickett could do better at doing that. Desmond Ritter is out here. He's making those adjustments, and he definitely shows that he can, you know, read plays pre-snap. And he's shown that he can, you know, recognize leverage very quickly and, you know, kind of capitalize on it. I remember there was one play, I think it was against Indiana, where uh, there's a slot corner on the on the blitz, you know, and he immediately recognizes it. And right away, he knows, all right, so I got that slot guy. He's got a free release, so he just whips it up, gets it to him in space, you know, places it perfectly. You know, that's one thing with Desmond Ritter. He processes very well, and I think that he has the athleticism as well. Very good creation capacity. He's got a very good arm as well. I won't, it's not an elite arm. I, I think he's got great arm strength, but not elite. I think he's pretty elastic as well. But again, not elite. You know, you see him on the move. There are times when his passes will dip on the move. There's times when he kind of overshoots it. You know, not the best at layering it and putting that trajectory on his passes. He can definitely do it. Um, I think he has enough arm talent to do it for sure. Not elite there, but very good. Uh, so, so, you know, enough to be a quality starter for sure. Um, the biggest thing with, with Ritter is the the mechanics and the accuracy and those kind of go hand in hand right like uh i know earlier in my scouting career i guess i should say um you know i always thought you know some guys just have natural accuracy and that may be true to an extent but usually if a pass is inaccurate you can trace it to a mechanical issue you know it's just a matter of you know how detail-oriented how you know minute is the issue you know you really got to go to the micro level sometimes but with desmond ritter you know, it's really a lot of little things that can culminate and become bigger problems. Like uh, his footwork, very frantic on the drop back and very staggered. You know, sometimes when guys are going through their progressions, you want them to keep that base steady, you know, the, those feet uniform. And Ritter is really staggered, you know, kind of one foot, one foot, one foot. You know, you don't want that. You want to be uniform. You want to be, you know, not independent feet, kind of just walking around, right? So he's definitely got to work on that because sometimes on his drop back, He's throwing it from a very unnatural release point with those feet. Sometimes they're pointed toward each other. Each other. He's got the heel click that he needs to work on and kind of eliminate. And then his upper body too. I mean, sometimes his, his off arm doesn't stay tight, so you don't get that full rotation. You know, sometimes his release is kind of widening. 
you know, kind of uncontrolled, right? So there's a lot to work on with Ritter. He's got to tighten up those mechanics a lot, and that's why his accuracy can wane so much. Um, and it's something that quarterbacks don't always fix. You know, it's kind of tough to fix, especially in the NFL when you're de- dealing with more pressure. You know, pressure is something that exacerbates the issue for a lot of these quarterbacks, and then Ritter included. But again, if you can develop it for sure, you know he's got the processing. You know he's got the athleticism. You know he is the arm. So I look at Ritter. You know, I wasn't head over heels for him before in the cycle, but I do think, you know, even looking at him and Willis side by side, I do think Willis has a slightly higher ceiling, but I think the floor with Ritter is a lot higher. And I don't think Ritter has a low ceiling by any stretch of the imagination. I think, you know, if you're looking for, you know, the top two ceilings in this class, probably Willis and Ritter. So in that scenario, I'd go with the higher floor. You know, as much as I love the upside with Willis, Ritter is a better processor. He sees the field better. You know, he does that pre-snap work that Willis doesn't do. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I would rather, if I'm trying to compete right away, I would rather go with Ritter, you know, over Willis. There's a lot of uncertainty with both in any other class. They're probably going to be day two quarterbacks at best. But if I had to choose one, you know, I'd probably go Ritter for those reasons. Yeah, and I see it with Ritter. Uh, Definitely the the ability to, to... To process is there it's certainly at a higher level than than where Malik Willis is right now, and the arm talent is is very good, very good. You know, you you regularly watch Cincinnati just dropping bombs down the field, um, and the leadership as well. You know, we talked about um, the the leadership that that Kenny Pickett brings to the field. Desmond Ritter has been a leader for that Cincinnati team, and he went back to Cincinnati. He could have come out last year, but received sort of around sort of four to six sort of grade. Um, but his his primary reason for going back was he believed he could lead Cincinnati to bigger and better things, and ultimately led them to the college football playoff. He's my he's my QB five um, in the class. There's there's a couple of things I that I struggled with 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 Ridder's game. The accuracy you brought up there, um, for me, he he can be wildly inconsistent in terms of his ball placement, and like you say, there's a lot of small things in terms of his mechanics which can lead to that accuracy what worries me and um i know several cincinnati bearcats fans have, have vocalized this as well that he hasn't really seemed to have developed um in that regard during the the four seasons that he's been with the bearcats so there's there's some question mark there as to to going into the nfl level can can there be improvements in that element of his game? I sometimes feel like he, he doesn't routinely throw with anticipation either, and um, routinely putting the um, his, his receiver in a in a contested catch situation, which is great when you've got a guy like Alec Pierce and a and a tight end like Josh Wiley, who I know you're a big fan of. And when you've got guys who can convert those contested catch situations, that's great, you know. But he doesn't routinely put his receivers in um, position to add yardage after the catch. Also, also felt like certainly um, demonstrated last year that he kind of starts cold in games, like re- really has to work himself into into the game um, before heating up later in the game. And you saw that a couple of times with Cincinnati this last season, and that you know that. You, you can't put yourself in those positions in the NFL where you're having to, to come from behind because you've had, to, you know, build up into the game and and taking early pressure that you you know you could quite easily have, have avoided. I think sometimes 
Um, while he's got the athleticism and the capability to escape the pocket, it doesn't always feel like he consistently feels um, pressure in the pocket and, and therefore takes some undue sacks. Um, but the, without without a doubt that, you know, we talk about upside, Desmond Ritter has got plenty of upside. And you can see the appeal, why he's starting to attract that first round attention late on in the process. And a, and a guy who... Um, great character off the field as well and you know in the quarterback position that's such a a key a key factor um of the evaluation process as far as it can when you're on the outside looking in like we are survivor 46 is here and so is on fire the only official survivor podcast and we have a twist this season the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, for sure. That was a a big storyline during Senior Bowl week. You know, you got Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, even Sam Howell. You know, all those guys interviewed very well, you know, from everything that we've heard. Howell, very humble kid, you know, very competitive on the field. Kenny Pickett, you know, was kind of the respected leader for Pitt for such a long time. Same with Desmond Ritter, you know, and then Malik Willis as well. You know, like you said, nothing but glowing reviews in terms of his character. And that's something that teams will use to determine whether they want to invest in these guys. You know, because you look at Willis, for example. Yeah, athletic, super, like a rocket arm, right? You know, very, very high-level creator. Uh, but at the same time, so much room for refinement in terms of his processing, pocket management, decision making, you know. But if you're a team that's looking to invest in him, you're not looking at what he is right now. You're looking at what he can be. And, you know, in deciphering what he can be, you got to ask yourself, is this a a person, a, a person with a mindset you know, can, that can be developed? Right. So that's the big question that obviously we don't quite have the resources to answer, but it's an extra factor that factors in a lot for, for, for teams that are trying to invest in these quarterbacks and decide if they want to invest their future in them. So a very interesting element there, you know, we don't want to go too far over. I know we've been trying to keep it 30 minutes. Uh, you know, I do think that we've had some good discussion here. And I think the bottom line is that you can really have it anyway. You know, th- there's so much room for sub- subjectivity in this class, you know, like Kenny Pickett as well, but thinking that he, he's got great anticipation, you know, he's got great, you know, elasticity off platform. But at the same time, you know, if the arm strength is an elite and that shows up on the deep throws, maybe you don't want that kind of quarterback, right? So, you know, it's all about what your preference is and, and what you see on tape, which every everyone sees something a little bit different. They interpret it a little bit differently. And that's the beauty of the draft process, right? That the, At the end of the day, what's important is that we come back to center, you know, two years down the road, figure out where we missed, where we hit, and how to improve in the future. But I guess to wrap up, Ali, any more comments on the rest of the quarterbacks? I know – Guys that we've mentioned, uh, obviously, Sam Howell is one that we should talk about. You know, me personally, watching him, I wasn't all too impressed. You know, I do think that he has the processing capacity. That said, 
the decision-making can be very inconsistent for him. The accuracy has kind of trickled down a little bit since his freshman season. You know, there's times when he kind of sails passes a little bit. That back foot drops a lot, and that's a big issue for him because he can't always get that full rotation. Sometimes, it, you know, when your back foot drops, it tips your front shoulder up a little bit, and that causes passes to sail. Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis have that issue too, you know, interestingly enough. That, that's not a, you know, it's not a rare issue for this class. Quite a few people have that. But getting that back foot stable can help Sam Howell because the shoulders are very inconsistent. Uh, but at the same time, I, I do think he has a great arm, you know, just not an elite athletic creator, a good athlete for the quarterback position. But as we were talking about before the, the podcast, kind of more of a boxy guy who's really just going to run over you. I don't know how translatable that is to the next level. So I like him as a developmental guy, but probably day two is where I take him. Matt Corral, kind of the same deal. Uh, very good athlete, very competitive frame is a little bit lighter than Howell's and that might cause some durability concerns uh the arm is good not elite at the same time maybe a little more elastic than Howell's but I do think Howell's is stronger uh, and then with Corral too you know I don't think Corral has quite as good of field vision there are times when you know especially the Ole Miss offense in 2021 man it was rough because they really schemed a lot for Matt Corral you could tell they were trying to take more off his plate not a ton on his plate and when he had those full field progressions he looked lost a lot of times, you know, and there were times when he missed wide open receivers across the middle of the field. You know, there's a lot of work to do for him, you know, in terms of seeing the field effectively, making those reads and processing correctly. You know, it's, it's too much work for me to want to invest in him in round one, but obviously the athletic traits are there. Good enough arm, as we've said. And then Carson strong, I think is another one that we need to bring up because he's, you know, kind of been the odd man out in these situations, his raw grade, he was my QB three. So graded higher than I expected. Uh, definitely has that arm, very strong arm, might be the best in the class, can generate velocity to all three levels. Uh, I think in the pocket, too, what you're looking for in a pocket passer, he's got the poise, he's got the navigation ability, you know, he can extend windows. I think the bigger questions was strong, you know, the decision making isn't perfect right now. He's got the arm arrogance sometimes, he'll try and force passes, uh, you know, he'll he'll kind of make bad reads and not see safeties downfield, uh, take some, you know, pretty, pretty bad risks. But also off the field, you know, I know you've heard, uh, that he didn't interview very well at the Senior Bowl, and especially juxtaposed with Pickett, Willis, and, and, and Howell and Ritter, you know, high character guys. If you don't, if you come in, you don't interview well, then that's really going to sour you in the eyes of a lot of teams. And the knee injury as well. I know nothing came of that from the NFL Combine. You know, teams are going to do that one on one and decide whether they're willing to invest in it. But off field questions for Carson Strong uh, kind of dilute his stock as well. So I think for me personally, I would go Pickett. Ritter and Willis is my top three quarterbacks, all very close, uh, but uh, it's uh, that's kind of how it is. It, it depends on preference at the end of the day. But any any uh, closing thoughts on some of the other guys? Yeah, and it's a great point that you make about Carson Strong because uh, undeniably the arm talent is incredible, um, but the 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 off field stuff that we're hearing um, com combined with the knee injury, it's almost kind of compounded, like you say the the it's the opposite ends of the, the scale because you've got a guy who's got some questionable um, approach to the game off the field in a class where you've got some guys who have got a really high profile um, willingness, like you mentioned, you know, high character guys in, in Desmond Ritter and in, um, in Malik Willis. I, I really like, and he's, he's, he doesn't feature at the top of the, the, the big board for me, but I really like Western Kentucky, Bailey Zappi, just in terms of it's 
you know, it's easy to fall in love with the numbers. I wrote in his scouting report, well, you go behind the numbers. There's actually a lot of NFL requisite traits in Bailey Zappi's game. You know, we've talked about intelligence and processing. Um, for me, Bailey Zappi is a guy who I don't think there's a, a more intelligent quarterback in this class than Bailey Zappi. You know, he's routinely tasked with making pre-snap reads. He's routinely um, adept at post-snap adjustments, can read the full field. Um, accuracy that he's shown throughout his career is it's a testament to his ability to read coverages and find the spaces in them. And, you know, he's got the... He's not got a, a, a high-level arm in terms of arm strength and his ability to push the ball 60, 70 yards down the field like a Willis or a, a Ritter, but he's he's got a decent arm. He's got, you know, that... that but the, the the athleticism isn't going to blow you away, but he's got decent footwork. He's able to escape pressure. Um, he's fluid in his movements. Um, you know, he's 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 you know we, we talk about Carson Strong, and people say, oh well, Carson Strong isn't a statue. Bailey Zappi isn't a statue either. You know, he's got that ability to 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 get out of the pocket when when the need arises. I think, you know, a lot of people look at the the Western Kentucky offense and the production this year and the numbers and and put a lot of sway into the system for those numbers. But Bailey Zappi is a is a quarterback prospect in this class who I don't think gets the respect that he deserves. And I could see him having the longest NFL career out of all of these guys. Now that's not to say he goes to the NFL and and blows, you know, blows the doors off the league. But I could see him still knocking around the league in sort of 10, 12 years' time. That's the level of intelligence, the uh, the ability to take the easy stuff and the ability to just you know grind out yardage when needed um, with his legs. It, Bailey Zappi's got a lot of, of, uh, of potential in this 2022 NFL draft class. Yeah, I mean, you look at how low the floor is across the board. You know, like it's a perfect opportunity for a guy like Bailey Zappi to maybe be a fourth or fifth round pick and end up being a, a decent quarterback on the road. I think, like you said, the upside is limited with him, but the floor is high enough where he can stick around, even in like a Ryan Fitzpatrick role, you know, for like 10 to 15 years, right? And just be that guy who's that reliable, you know, backup stopgap type player. I could definitely see that for him. So very fun quarterback class. I think Caleb Elby is another name to throw out there. I think the, the footwork needs to improve with him, but he's not super athletic, but he definitely has enough arm talent to get a look as well so he, he'll probably be drafted and I think he can be a solid backup or spot starter as well there's you know not quite the level of depth that you'd want in this class certainly not the level of top end talent that you want in this class but we've got six quarterbacks who you know could end up being starters the question is who the question is for how long uh, we have no idea <laughs> that's to answer your question there but uh, certainly a lot to kind of look forward to with this class you know I think there's a lot of different outcomes you know, maybe we'll look back and Malik Willis is, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Maybe we'll look back and, you know, Carson Strong has found his way into an offense. Maybe the Colts pick him up in round three or something. You know, there's a lot of different outcomes. Uh, I'm very excited to watch and see. I'm even more excited Ali, to get to that 2023 class because looking at these quarterbacks just makes me realize how good guys like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are already. Very excited to you know run their grades and, and and look at their film and see what's up there because I can I, you know I can almost guarantee that next year's class we're going to be a lot more bullish on the quarterbacks. We will see though. Very fun. We've still got this class to to get through first, so we will wrap it up right here 
Uh, thank you all for listening uh, as we ramble and go over our 30 minute limit again. Uh, you know, at this point, it's just, it's groundhog day. It's, it's going to happen. It is what it is, but uh, we can't control it. We can only, you know, contain it in the podcast, but we appreciate you all for listening uh, to the quarterback podcast episode. We've probably got one more. I don't know what we're going to do for it. Maybe we have a surprise for you, but uh, we will see uh, maybe a, a draft review, maybe a, a guest on the show. We will, we will see what happens, but until next time, uh, keep an eye out for our Twitter spaces. We got one more uh, probably before the draft and then, we got AMAs, we got scouting report updates, we got a new big board update coming out soon, and uh, the mock draft simulator. Do your own mock draft, run through the possibilities, because there's still three days left for you to do that. Until next time, peace out, have a good one.